Hello and welcome to the Tallest Tree Digital Podcast, where every week we discuss search news and break down topics in SEO. I'm Cord Bloomquist, and I'm joined by joined by Anar Johansson. Mm-hmm. Hello, Anar. Well, hi. Someday we'll nail yep. the introduction. Uh, someday. So today is the links episode. We're going to try to do thematic stuff after last week's audit episode was so successful. It really lit up the podcast charts. Yeah. I think, yeah, we had handfuls of downloads. So uh, <laughs> let's see how, how this one goes. Uh, so what, what's on let's the agenda? See. We're going to talk all about um, links and linking with a, a couple, a couple non-linking things at the end of the agenda here. Yeah. So first, we're going to talk about uh, JavaScript links and how Google piece those. I mean, that can mean different things. It's a pretty open concept, I guess, which is what they're clarifying here. Um, yeah. So I the, the understanding is that um, well, there's a lot of confusion around the topic of JavaScript. Like, JavaScript is bad for SEO. That's kind of the... Mm-hmm. Like, oops, I made too general of a conclusion. Um, yeah, I think that's the, when, the, the layman's uh, assumption for sure. Yeah. When, of SEO. When, when that isn't really true. And it, it used to be kind of doubly bad for SEO because lots of JavaScript running on a page meant it loaded slowly. But now mm-hmm. that we're, we've moved on from page speed, I don't know if we ever covered this on the, the show, but uh, Google has confirmed that the page speed algorithms are gone. So it's oh. no longer measuring page speed. At well, all. yeah, yeah, okay. I I had noticed because I've used their API that they phased out the speed in the most recent version versions at least. Yeah, and they're just yeah focusing on the core web vitals more like uh, experience. Uh, yeah, yeah. So now that they've confirmed that it, as far as search is concerned, uh, page speed doesn't exist. Core web vitals mm. is all there is. Um, so yeah. that means you can have a lot of JavaScript be executing on the page so long as the page loads content quickly for the user and becomes interactive quickly and doesn't shift around because JavaScript elements suddenly load, you know, three seconds, four seconds into the page being visible. Um, mm-hmm. but in this case, they're talking about JavaScript affecting crawlability and this came up in a recent site audit. So it's worth, uh, I thought it was uh serendipitous that it came up in the news suddenly like an issue i had looked at two days before and had um and had just had a you know long client conversation about oops you know huge portions of your site can't be crawled um and they pointed out exactly what's going on yeah uh, or almost exactly what's going on on that client site so uh google in its own documentation says Uh, This is in, let's see, Google Search Central, and this is under page and content metadata, and then it says crawlable links. So make your links crawlable, use proper A tags. And we had a conversation, Mm -hmm. what does A stand for? It stands (laughs) for anchor. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I had no, I've always just called it like the link tag, so you know, whatever this is, this is how it goes when everything is yeah. learned, learned by doing. Sometimes you don't know the names of things that you've been working with for, um, like 25 sure. years of your life. Um, so Google says that Googlebot can follow a href equals, and then, um, 
an, a, 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 what would you call it? An absolute URL, HTTPS colon slash slash and the, you know, the domain name and so on, or a relative URL where it starts with slash, you know, um, whatever the path might be on, on your website. Mm-hmm. And there, and SEOs can have really great pedantic debates about whether or not you should use absolute or relative URLs, but that's a conversation for maybe a different day. Uh, but what Google says it can't follow are a router link equals. I've never used router link. That's uh, yeah. This is from some a lot of JavaScript-based applications. Uh, so. Yeah, it would be used uh, as part of normal HTML. It's uh, it should be rendered into an a href. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Just, just this is why the tool. This that. is why the tool is called hrefs, and it's not called yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, span span ref. So know, it's a funny example that they provide there because yeah. yeah. Anyway, the other thing that it says it can't follow is yeah span href. So, so just yeah. using the using href, but not using it um, inside of that anchor tag, or as part of an anchor tag, and it also has it gives the example of a on click equals go to, and then in parentheses the URL. So these are different ways of, mm-hmm. of coding in JavaScript, right? Um, and and that's exactly what we or we found a little bit of a variation on that in this client site, in that it was also yeah. using spans. Um, and, right. But those those spans were then triggering. If you clicked on that span element, it was triggering a JavaScript on-click event. Yeah, um, I was doing a click event on a span. Yeah, and it, it essentially doesn't appear wrong, like, wrong to the user at all. It looks fine. No, and that's um, and that's why, like so many SEO audits, you come back with things where people thought they say, "I had no idea <laughs> this was an issue," because to a person using the website, the website looks nice it's well organized um mm-hmm. the basically yeah, where, the, where this specific website falls down is that they link from topic pages to a search page which i think is a fine method of doing things you essentially if you can't find stuff here in our recent content on this category you know go over into search and you can start really drilling into it and that's probably good if people need to find older stuff um, to just give them all the facets and filters and all the tools that they need to do that. I mean, that's essentially how Amazon works on almost every page, right? When you're looking for stuff, you can start sorting by color or price or rating. Yeah. Uh, so all of that's good from a UX perspective. It looks great, but the problem is that Google can't navigate any of it. And and that means that there's sort of no linking between most of the pages on this site. <laughs> you just can't. You can't get there from here, uh, as they say. So, but it, interesting mm-hmm. that that Google has has underscored <laughs> this and made it really clear. And I like, I like how they present this in the documentation. It just makes it completely clear as to what works and what doesn't. And it's a pretty simple yeah. rule of thumb: ahref works. <laughs> you know, all others are no good. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about any of those, but I'm sure. Well, the on-click one, I guess that, that we saw, yeah, that that seems to be something that you might assume would work, especially if you're using the anchor tag and everything. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, but it we doesn't... saw that that didn't work in the past on a on another client site. Remember that they were doing this. I think, mm. I think it was notably on an author page or something was being rendered 
like a grid yeah, was yeah. being rendered in JavaScript and it was using mm-hmm. OnClick and none of their authors could be found. And it's sort of important to think tanks because these authors spend yeah. a lot of time and money earning these PhDs and JDs and stuff to be experts. And, you know, mm-hmm. you want to get to their expert page and see, you know, all their educational credentials and the books they've written and where all their articles have appeared and so forth. But if so that's so, so it's kind of a vital thing to have um, hidden away. But what else can we say in terms of linking what's yeah. come up in the news around links? Uh, so we have, um, now we have about something, a topic that's, I hadn't really thought this would be an issue, but yeah, uh, the Google can pass page rank from HTTP to HTTPS URLs with redirects. So this is something that uh, I would think most sites have done already. I'll, not not all sites, but uh, I would say, yeah, the HTTPS transition has been going on for a while now, right? I mean, ever since Google started in Chrome showing this not secure batch, yeah, the lock badge uh, up in the address bar that's showing kind not of secure. push people like the most yeah the one the most uh, used browser that was twenty eighteen I think yeah so if you're not uh, a a techie listening to this um, mm-hmm. God bless you I'm yeah. glad that you're trying to learn more <laughs> but uh, you're probably still I, using Chrome so yep yep you're using um, Chrome so you you might might notice that although a lot lots of lots of Safari users out there too uh, especially on mobile. Sure. Yeah, that's true. But what HTTPS does is it encrypts the traffic that's going between you and the and the website and the user, right? Mm-hmm. So now all of that's, and, uh, that that S in HTTPS makes it hypertext transfer protocol secure, right? And it, it, it it's not new or anything. It's all always exists. It's basically from I remember since I was under ten years old, I think. But it's all in the past. It was, but you know that was like ten years ago for you. Yeah, it was like ten years ago. (laughs) Uh, It was. It was mainly just used on e-commerce sites. It was like this, this thing you we didn't see every day. Yes, I remember uh, having to pay. um, What was it called? Like Verisign or something like that. And and we had to something like that. We had to send them details on our server and even send them like details on who we were. Yeah, it was quite. Verify the business and all this sort of stuff uh, to then get this certificate that you would then have to provide to your host. And they mm-hmm. do, all, I mean, it was this really cumbersome process. Now we set up a new site for somebody and just hit secure with let's encrypt. And it just happens in like 30 seconds. So yeah. it's, it's super easy. And I'm sure that there are other, I'm sure that there are others uh, SSL certs that people are still buying that do more yeah, yeah, than just encrypt, different encrypt levels, and verify who you are, and yeah. But um, there's still like um, standards are higher now. Like even the worst, worst uh, HTTPS is better than yeah. none. But Google's so. Google's trying to guard against things like, okay, you go to the internet cafe and you buy something, or you, or let's say you don't even buy something, but you start leaving comments on a. Uh, you're you're leaving comments on a site, you're interacting with a site, you're giving over your information. And mm-hmm. if you're communicating over HTTP, all of that traffic is visible uh, versus HTTPS, it, it should be encrypted. Is that right? 
Yes, uh, that's. I, I don't know know why they, they're pushing this so hard, but like be, because, like I said in the past, yeah, it was mainly for e-commerce sites or something. But yeah, I guess even if you're just logging into, uh, I don't know, whatever site, they, they're trying to guard you from losing your password or something. Yeah, sure, that yeah, could happen. And, I guess, and you may not even you may not so, log in. You may not put any information on there. You may not make a purchase. Yeah, but just the fact that you're visiting the site, it's now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, all you, of those things you are have to be less. You don't have to think about this as much because I used to hear this all the time. Like, you have to be careful what you do in internet cafes, or internet cafes, like cafes, Starbucks, whatever. Yeah, like because it's public Wi-Fi. But I don't really think much about that anymore. I mean, I do use a VPN too, but even just with HTTPS, you are pretty, you're much safer. Yeah, and the really adoption rate is now 99%. Yeah. I mean, we just updated the list of URLs mm-hmm. on our index of think tanks, which we'll be updating yeah. and sharing with everybody soon. And mm-hmm. there's only a handful of groups, and it looks like groups were... Uh, the website is struggling in other ways as well. Yeah. That, that don't have HTTPS there. Because mm-hmm. it, it's now become so easy and, and almost costless. Or really costless yeah. in the case of less encrypt, you don't have to pay for an SSL certificate and it's a quick change to your host. Yeah. Sorry that. So anyway, it makes things more secure. Uh, Google has an interest in people thinking the web is a great thing to use and is secure and that they don't kind of leave the open web for um closed apps or whatever, right? Google acts as a sort of uh steward and best best practice enforcer for uh the web. So mm-hmm. Let's say let's say you haven't done this yet and you change your website from HTTP to HTTPS. You're changing the URL of every single page on your mm-hmm. website when you do that. So does that have SEO implications? And uh, a Luke Budka on Twitter asked John Google's John Mueller. Does Google pass page rank from unsecured HTTP pages to HTTP? HTTPS if proper 301s exist. Um, he says, context, looking at a brand a brand with a domain who didn't bother buying SSL search for old site, but did sit, mm-hmm. set up redirects when they migrated. I often think people are asking him questions about a, a defunct uh, site that they bought <laughs> that only has... Because um, this goes on all the time that people buy, yeah. you know, kind of a, kind of half abandoned websites because they, you know, they have lots of hundreds of old links or thousands pointing to them, so they're really kind of buying uh, domain ranking, or that's what they think they're buying when it may not actually do much. But anyway, um, I thought, well, of course, of course, PageRank. We know that PageRank passes through three hundred one redirects, but it's interesting that Mueller said. It's essentially canonicalization. There's no special security dust involved. He's joking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's interesting because we always recommend that clients try to get rid of things like 301 redirect chains. Let's say you've had five versions of your website over the course of 15 years, and maybe the URLs changed on every single redesign, which is terrible. <laughs> just, just keep your damn URLs. But um, if they've done that and... And there's a great New York Times link to version one of the site, and version one re- redirects to URL two, to three, to four, to five. That's like five redirects. And the common wisdom around this is that every time 
a link passes from one URL to another, you lose about 15% of the page rank. And that's so that you can't redirect mm -hmm. and redirect infinitely. And also that, you know, you can't yeah. have a site where it has lots of links coming to a particular landing page and then it links out to one page. That second page would be worth just as much in Google's eyes, if not for some mm -hmm. diminishment of, of, of that page rank. So you can imagine that without that, you could make a, a site that has one page that's really great. And each one, each that site or that page links to one other page, that page links to another page. They all only link to one page and they would pass on page rank perfectly. And they would all yeah. look like really valuable pages. So they it has to diminish that or else it doesn't work, right? The whole, yeah. the whole scheme would fall apart. So that's sort of critical to that page rank works that way. So we don't know exactly what that percentage is, but we know it has to be something or page rank really wouldn't work as an algorithm. Um, but interesting that Mueller says canonicalization, because that suggests that maybe they're not even applying that 15% redirect kind of uh, mm -hmm. diminishment or penalty. I don't want to say penalty because penalty has a specific meaning with Google. But it yeah, suggests yeah. that they're they're not taxing it or diminishing it at all, that it just gets passed along purely, which makes sense if Google's, I mean, Google has been pushing for years and years now to switch to HTTPS. So it makes sense that mm -hmm. they wouldn't do that and also take a, you know, punish you in some ranking way uh, for doing so. Okay. We've talked that one out enough. Uh, what's next on the list here? Oh, yeah. Max said, I want to know more for the next one. I Okay. So Google says, I guess, yeah, some old links may be irrelevant, uh, also known as link rot. So that's the next one. So um, yeah, this is also John Mueller yeah. on Twitter. John Mueller again, and, yeah. And um, this questioner, what does the questioner ask him? Uh, <laughs> Hello, John, I'm at big trouble. Our company, I don't know, it's not an English speaker, I guess, but um, that's okay. Um, so he's in trouble. Uh, they had a website. Uh, wasn't uh, search engine optimized much, I guess, but it was still in. Are you getting this? I'm sorry. I'm... Yeah, no, I, I think what the questioner is saying is... Um... Yeah, it is it is a little bit of a muddled muddled tweet here. Our company yeah. had a website before, but no SEO. And and was indexed by Google. Okay. Kind of weird sentence construction there. So no SEO strategy, but was indexed. We built a new website and used the old domain. Okay. It's great that okay. Miller answers these questions where they're like you really have to read it yeah, like a, you know seventh sorry, grade teacher correcting someone's paper but this not yeah yeah i'm not but, a native speaker so i need to yeah yeah clean. but then she says i found many of the old website directly linking to my new website and showing 404 mm -hmm. okay so what do we think this person is asking um Mueller answers uh, with, depending on how old that website is, there's a good chance that these links are irrelevant and wouldn't change much. So if you see a lot of traffic, like users and crawlers to the 404 pages, then I'd pick mm -hmm. a new URL on your site and 301 redirect. So maybe he's not even answering this person's question because the question was asked in kind of a confusing manner. 
Um, I don't. Regardless, yeah. the answer is uh, helpful to know. So, yeah. So, so let's. That. Yeah, let's think about that. So we know that, and Google has said this publicly that freshness of content is a ranking factor, right? Mm-hmm. So, and especially, especially for things that are really topical, like election news in the U.S. right now. If something is an hour old, it may be irrelevant, right? Um, so we're recording on no- November 11th and many of the, uh, recent elections still have the counts haven't been finalized and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it, it would make sense that if Google is keeping track of the date of that, that it's also keeping track of the date of the links pointing to you. And maybe those links have less and less worth as time goes by because, mm-hmm. okay. Um, sort of makes sense too. like, think, think about how that, what the analogy is that they're drawing in the real world. So page rank is built around how academics kept track of their own citations. An academic's yeah. worth is measured by how many people cite their papers. Uh-huh. It would be sort of pathetic, right? If your professor walks in and says, well, I wrote this paper that was cited by someone famous 20 years ago. And they kept talking about yeah. the 20-year-old citation that they had. It, it, it doesn't make yeah. them particularly relevant to the conversation today. And hey, maybe this is a timeless thing, and maybe that citation was from fifty or sixty years ago, and it was Albert Einstein yeah. who cited them. Oh, that might be very important. You may still tell mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah, Einstein cited me. I don't know. That's the most sure. famous uh, scientist I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> um, Oppenheimer mm-hmm. cited me. I don't know. Um, I mean, similarly, even if you're talking about something that's relatively timeless. No one has cited this page in the last five years. It would sort of suggest to Google that maybe this is not the most mm-hmm. relevant thing anymore. I mean, it depends, right? If everything competing in that in that search results page has old links to it, because maybe you're Googling something about uh, the 2012 election, it would make sense that not a lot of people are reading 2012 election analysis and linking to it freshly. So probably everybody competing there is competing with old links from 10 years ago. So, you know, it's, there's always an, it depends. There's not these ironclad rules because it depends on what the nature of the competition looks like around that keyword. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think it makes sense that if Google's keeping track of the freshness of your content, it's probably also keeping track of the freshness and date of those links we know from using tools like Ahrefs that it's pretty easy for a crawler to keep track of these things. When did I first yeah. encounter this link? We see this on Ahrefs reports all the time. Um, oh, this this link that you have from Wikipedia uh, has been there for you know dozens and dozens of years. But it might count that those things differently too, because those Wikipedia articles are updated all the time. So I wonder about that. Like if the page is updated and they and your link keeps hanging around. Um, maybe that's not thought of as an old link, but a link that's been kind of re-upped several times. Uh, but yeah, it would make sense to me that a 12 year old news article shouldn't be weighed the same as a news article from last week. Like those links have to have a slightly different worth. Yeah. Okay. What I'm else not... do we, what else do we know about linking or, or do you have I'm more questions? About this that one later, like, uh still confused by the initial question here but um 
<laughs> oh yeah, the initial question uh, was garbage, but I think that uh, <laughs> I think that it makes sense what his answer is. I don't know. I was just thinking if they bought the domain from some old site or something, and everything's broken, and they're just trying to get around that or something. I don't know. It's just kind of funny thinking about so, that. So, <laughs> so, so many questions posed to John Mueller are clearly from people who are up to like shenanigans. Yeah, and they pose it as like, oh, my company's just doing this thing. Like, well, why would Big they trouble. be do? Why would they be doing this? Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, so the next one is uh, uh, Google. John Mueller again, or who is this? I think so. Uh, Google uh, links will be less important as a ranking factor in the future. Okay. So, so this was Mueller at their search off the record podcast, and they were recording from uh-huh. um, Brighton SEO. Okay. They, so they were getting a lot of questions, and it's interesting getting these at these events because then they can't be as as calculating in their answer, so they might reveal something. Oh, you that's know, true. Even yeah. Um, might reveal something more than they would if they had a chance to edit um, or think about their question. Ahead All right, of right. Mm-hmm. So he says um, th- this answer has been, or th- this has been reported on by all these different, you know, all the usual outlets. We're getting a, we're looking at SEO Roundtable right now, and uh, Barry Schwartz writing about it. But you know, Search Engine Land and Search Engine Journal wrote about it too, and a few other places. But John says, well. Something where I imagine over time, the weight on the links at some point will drop off a little bit as we can't figure out a little bit better how the content fits in with the with the context of the whole web. And to some extent, links will always be something that we care about because we have to find new pages somehow. It's like, how do you find a page on that web without a reference to it? And mm-hmm. then he added, but my guess is over time, it won't be such a big factor as sometimes it is today. I think already that's something that's changing quite a bit. Okay, so you know, verbal answer off the top of his head, not the most eloquent thing, but no, no. I think what he's saying is clearly true, right? So basically, the entire history of Google since the late two thousands has been: we need to make links not matter as much. Um, yeah, or or at, or at least we need to be way more sophisticated than just what PageRank does, which is how many people link to you how many people link to them, how many people link to them, right? And creating these weights that go back and back and back so that you can determine kind of who's at the center of your network of links, who's most important and so on. You know, Google has been chipping away at that through um, the Penguin and Panda updates. I don't know which is which in terms of one seemed to be more content focused, one seemed to be more link focused. Regardless, Gary Ish has also said in in response to um, questions that um, there was a question on I, th- I think the search off the round t- or, uh, search off the record podcast um, about disavowing spammy links. So Semrush has a tool that will report on your link toxicity, and we've done these yeah. disavows for clients in the past, uh, and sometimes you know the the sites linking to them are truly horrible. Uh, so whatever, you can use this link disavow tool, but that tool is notably buried in Google search console now. And you bring up a tool that looks like Google from 15 years ago. It may even have like a weird old Google logo on it. Um, but, but Gary has said, Google basically ignores low quality links. They don't punish you for it anymore. 
So there must be some way the algorithm's gotten more sophisticated where it's not following every link and weighing oh, everything okay. and creating page rank based on everything. Yeah, some but way it's still saying, a good thing today. I mean, it's the best thing they have still. Yes. Into, yeah, yeah, links are the best thing yeah. that they have, but they've but they've just created lots and lots of exceptions, right? It's page rank, mm -hmm. but not low quality links. And we have a way of determining that. It's page rank, yeah. but not so much links that aren't really about your niche. So if you're a medical website, are we going to rank your page higher because you got lots and lots of links from non-medical websites? From general, mm -hmm. maybe from general news sites, those carry some clout and journalists can write about issues in health. But if your, mm -hmm. if your medical site is getting lots and lots of referrals from like a sports website, th that's not going to raise your, your profile or your likelihood of ranking no, for medical stuff. Cause some dude who writes about baseball is linking to you, you know, whatever these are Maybe 20 years ago. Right. Yeah, these are silly examples, but we we've seen those adjustments since 2018. Like the medic update was about this sort of thing, um, mm -hmm. figuring out who's linking to you, are those links relevant, and that's why we now see, you know, music sites ranking for music lists and medical sites ranking for medical advice, and not newspapers ranking for everything because it's not a pure page mm -hmm. rank world. I mean, that's what. The history again, the history of Google has just been links shouldn't count for as much. And now that we have things like um uh Bert and Mum, and I forget which does which, which is understanding pages versus which is parsing the user's queries. Uh, but Google has more of an understanding of what the page says with entity indexing. It can also say, okay, which one of these pages is more relevant, not based on who got the most votes in, in the form of links, but which mm -hmm. one says the stuff that's most related to this search query. Um, so that mix of indexing in a different way, attaching things to entities and then comparing which one probably makes the most sense given the entities in the, in the searchers query, mm -hmm. you know, so you could see that in the past, if you had searched for latest Taika Waititi movie, you maybe would have just gotten whatever page had Taika Waititi on it with the most amount of yeah. links pointing to it. Now, if it's latest movie, it's going to understand the, the entity of Taika Waititi. It's going to understand the relationship of movie. It's probably going to show the latest film that he, a page about the latest film that he directed. And it might be able to analyze the text on that page to know that it's talking about, I don't know what the latest film is that he directed. Um, I don't know, Thor love and thunder or something like that, but mm. you know, it's going to show, it's going to show that movie, uh, or it's going to show the page that, that talks the most about that movie. It has the most robust review, whatever it's going to have other ways of evaluating that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it's like this, this is news that, that it's almost like, yeah, that totally makes sense. How as Google introduces more ways of understanding the web links necessarily have to count for less and less because at one point they were yeah, the only they're thing adding more things yeah yeah so it's just adding you know, more factors it, yeah it used to be 95 percent of what they did now it's even if it's still 80 percent of what they consider it's it's it makes less and less of a um of an impact um mm -hmm. okay how do we let's talk about like understanding links oh. yes 
Um, so we're <laughs> where are we in the show notes? We're on the uh, the link graph. So uh, I, I highlighted this Kevin Indig well, tweet. I'm so sorry. I, I was saying another thing here. That's all right. About all API right. delays. Yeah. I don't know why I had that. All right. I'm make, so sorry. We're making our way through the uh, through <clears> the show <throat> notes. Excuse uh, me. <laughs> you know, all right. <laughs> one way or the other. Uh, I think so I saw... canceled or something. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I saw Continue. Kevin Indig, who we've cited before on the site uh, or on the podcast. Uh, he cited this SEMrush visualization tool. So uh, SEMrush is one of the popular mm. uh, SEO tools out there. And it's, it's a new cool. feature shows mm. you the sites in your close neighborhood, as they're calling it, and how they're interlinked. Um, so it gives you this visualization. And so you can imagine one of these, you know, clouds of dots connected by lines. Yeah. But, but in this case, rather than there's multiple tools that will show you kind of how your own site is organized and how the pages interlink. And it sort of gives you a shape and moves the dots closer together, the more that they're interlinked and everything. So it sort of looks like a, a crazy complex molecule or something. Once all these lines are drawn. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the reason why this visualization is valuable is because of the examples uh, that are shown here in this uh, SEMrush post about it. So they show you this cloud of dots all related. And the, the bigger the dot, the more um the higher the URL ranking. That's um SEMrush's own way of trying to approximate what they think page rank looks like. Mm -hmm. And what it says is that um SEMrush analyzes the most significant links for the domain you put in the search bar. SEMrush analyzes 12 first tier links, followed by 10 second tier and eight third tier links. For every site in the network. So uh, that means your network graph could have a total of 960 websites. Okay. Yeah. So why do we care? They're making a cool visualization. It's just, is this just, you know, amusing charts that we can make? So we've made them. What does it actually tell us? Mm. Um, they give these examples of, well, here's what a reputable link network graph would look like. Mm -hmm. So here they say, well, this is reputable because a, a high authority of referring domains. So your website has a lot of high authority websites pointed at. That's good. It's not just all these sort of uh, low authority, amateur kind of blog sites pointing to you. It's, you know, more legitimate news organizations or corporate websites or, and, and that they're relevant to your own niche. Uh, so if you're going to build up a, a niche site, like you're trying to, I don't want to bring up the things that are typically brought up in SEO podcasts because we work with different clientele. But if you're a think tank, you want government websites, educational websites linking to you. You want other think tanks linking to you. You want to be placed in media outlets. Like people who are talking about public policy and its implications ought to be linking to you as opposed to, uh, you know, corporate websites or, um, Websites that are trying to sell things ought not to be linking to mm -hmm. think tanks. Um, right. You know, you can imagine some exceptions. You know, the think tank is writing about uh, a public policy issue that's relevant to your business. So it's not that it's not that those links are bad, but it's that it would look awfully strange if it was only those types of links, right? You would expect 
a think tank to begin yeah. academic government other think tanks um news links so on so then they show another example of uh here's a network that's considered suspicious because it has a lack of high authority referring domains uh and and maybe those in turn are linked to things that are just sort of or or rather the sites linking to you have links from all sorts of random sites so it suggests that maybe they're buying links from high authority sites uh and linking to you and now they're showing like you know a moderate link graph and so this is kind of a mix of the first two so you know what can you what can you do with this sort of information you know you can gauge the the link building power of a domain so is it worth reaching out to somebody and trying to get a placement at their website because maybe their website is sort of crappy and they have uh, bad bad links and weird spammy stuff pointing to them um you know you can identify people in your in your niche because it is looking at at how topically <laughs> they they are related to you um and they say, well, you can also discover links that are linking um, that are linking to your competitors as well. So it's another sort of like competitor discovery tool. Yeah, but I, I many, think for folks, oh yeah, go ahead. So as as many ways uh, you can use this visualization, like yeah. Um, but I think for our clients, like our clients are never doing the sort of link building no. that weird SEO people are. Where they're oh gosh if we could only get a link from this one site we'd really have it made. Oh, um, that's true. Because they're just not in that type of, not in that type of business uh, where you know they're they're trying to sell Amazon they're they're trying to sell things through Amazon Associates and get like associate payments mm -hmm. or or whatever that that lots of sites are looking for or they're not selling anything right they're not just an above board business uh, trying to sell you yeah. golf shoes or whatever it might be uh, where gosh, if we get another link that might help us beat our competitor uh, for replacement golf shoe laces or whatever keyword they're targeting, you know? Uh, so I, I think this is useful in, in doing some of the uh, looking around at what your competitors are doing. It's another way of sort of traversing this link graph and figuring out, you know, okay, who's, who's linking to our client site on this. You might be able to do some PR prospecting here. Like, um, our competitor put out a study a year ago about uh, sentencing reform and the effect that sentencing reform has had uh, on the criminal mm -hmm. justice system. You know, who linked to them? Did they get good quality links or bad quality links? Uh, might help you to to build a prospect list there. Uh, but I think that most of our clients are actually doing their prospecting through more traditional old school PR, like pulling pulling lists of journalists and just linking things out there or building their networks more informally mm -hmm. or using Twitter or whatever it might be. So I could see this being of of some use, but it, it this is just another thing which makes me thank God every day that we're working for uh, these sorts of clients and not not clients that are trying to kind of by hook or by crook get <laughs> get links to yeah. their site and grub their way up to the top of the uh, Google rankings. It's nice to work with people where you know, a big part of their job is managing a reputation and building up strong relationships with reporters and actually having yeah. worthy material. <laughs> Certainly not the typical SEO problems or the biggest pain points for our 
no, we're always working on, you know, structure, ontology, internal linking, technical issues. Uh, but it's an, inter an interesting tool, interesting. nonetheless. A yeah. And, and might be worth checking out if you're, especially if you're at the, the lower end of the think tank ladder and you're still trying to grind out getting those links. Uh, and you're maybe you aren't paying for uh, high end PR software where you're pulling lists of journalists and things like that, and getting a few dozen really high quality placements from people who have already been writing about the issues that you care about. You could track them down using a tool like this, and you could do it kind of visually and intuitively. Okay, well, um, there's another piece of of um, news that I wanted to cover, which is that the Google Search Console API has been fixed or has been broken and is going to be fixed this week. Um, but it it usually shows you it usually shows you information that's been delayed like a day maybe 36 okay. hours uh but in this case it just stopped shipping information for for a oh. week so wow. you know i check every morning on our clients to see how things are going in search console you know i'm looking for big spikes in traffic i'm also looking for things like falling off a cliff like oops you know something might be wrong uh did the, yeah. did the server go down did somebody make an update that broke something you know what's what's happening so i just like to have eyes on that so i don't like we don't let things go um, for a week or two or three before, oops, you know, they notice it and see that something is wrong. Uh, and I noticed that, that all those graphs on, I usually use hrefs because it will pull in the data from, uh, all right. from, from Google search console and show it to me all on one page. So it's easy to scroll through and see, look at all those graphs and they were all frozen in time for the last week. Uh, so if you've noticed that same sort of thing, it's not just you, it's basically everybody. And this, this is affecting every sort of API connection. So whether you're on hrefs or you're using Google's own looker studio, which we now have to call that, uh, we have to use that terrible name, uh, formerly Google data studio. Yeah. Uh, they're all affected. It's all broken, but hopefully, uh, by next Looks week, like we will have some relief. It was that. fixed. Uh, since there's an update here that was fixed, result is today. Okay. Uh, well, you may oh. see it. Well, Let's still, see. also <laughs> handful of days. Was, yeah. Maybe not for everyone. Let's... It seems like it was the entire week because. Yeah, yeah. At least my little anecdotal yeah, experience was nothing was updated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, then uh, let's let's tackle that last story. So, what's last on the docket? All right, well, last year is so an issue we talked about so many times, but never enough. Bounce rate is bounce rate or Google ranking factor? Yeah. What's so this article, rate? this article talks about this um, about bounce rate. Basically, people mm -hmm. visiting visiting a page and quickly leaving. Quickly, um, yeah. Bouncing so off. now, now we can measure dwell time even if somebody doesn't click on another link. Um, because we, yeah, with GA four, yes, with GA four, yeah. But a bounce rank is or bounce rate mm -hmm. is high on pages that are poorly optimized, right? Because people are coming to the page and saying, mm -hmm. "Oh, this isn't what I was looking for," right? So search engine yeah, optimization are... is not only about you getting more traffic to your website. It's also about users finding things they actually care about. Um, yeah. So when we've when we've done your misleading, uh, you know, 
Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they're misleading. Sometimes they're not very useful, like Google's latest useful content update uh, yeah. talks about. But <laughs> oh, my kids are in the hallway making a racket, so I'm a little distracted. <laughs> but sorry, it's fine. Uh, but I was okay. going to say that in the in the past, we've not only seen SEO improvements to clients increase their total traffic, but we've also seen the bounce rate then decline dramatically, right? And not in a way that's just explicable by, well, they've got more traffic, um, as in the number of bouncers remain the same, but they just shrink as a percentage. It, it also seems that the number of bouncers diminish in absolute terms. Uh, and and the reason is because I think when we when we do a major cleanup, recategorize things, um, add structured data to the site, whatever it might be. Uh, I think Google is now not showing us for certain results, but is showing that client for other places, you know, for other queries. And those queries are a better match now. Um, so bounce rate can definitely be affected by SEO, but the question is, does Google take into consideration bounce rate? So the article starts talking about bounce rate as we understand it in Google Analytics, like bounce rate being something measured by the site owner through analytics. And Google has made it very clear that even though Google owns analytics, this thing that measures your website traffic directly, it does not reach into analytics mm -hmm. and use that data for Google search. And there's a million reasons why right. it shouldn't. You could manipulate the living shit out of it. <laughs> it's, it's the first, right? You can mm -hmm. set bots out, do all sorts of things to get more traffic to your site. Um, so I think there's a there's a there's a conflation of two ways of talking about bounce. There's bounce as measured by Google Analytics. Clearly, that's not that's not a factor here. But there's also bounce as in, do I arrive at a at search results? Which, in my own experience, I know this often happens. That I might click on the first result and say, this isn't what I want. Back. Mm -hmm. You know, I click on the second result. Yeah, that's this what, what I was thinking. Back. Like, that's really a big. I mean, we talked about optimizing CTR is important, even just to maintain your position in search results, because I mean, most of your traffic comes from the first page on Google, and you're always going to be competing for, I mean, for, for whatever. If, if you're ranking for something that is getting any traffic, you're also going to be competing both. Well, possibly with yourself, but with other sites, about keeping your what one to ten spot. So yes. CTR is important, and you need to optimize that copy that makes people want to click. But you also have to have the content to back it up. Yeah, what you have clicked. So yeah, and I've definitely yeah. <laughs> been to results that did not fulfill what I was looking for. So I I can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, Rand Fishkin has, has argued this point several times, and Rand is one of the founders, I believe, of Moz. At least was the mm -hmm. was the CEO for a long time. Um, I guess I don't know the whole history there, but uh, he, you know, in Whiteboard Fridays, he's talked about what he calls pogo sticking to differentiate it from bounce. Bounce being the thing that you measure directly in analytics, but Google mm -hmm. can measure. Doesn't have a, it's not bringing the analytics data, but it can measure. Someone was on the user was on this results page, and often people are logged in, so it's not even someone they know it's Anar. Anar was mm -hmm. on this search results page. He clicked on the first link. They don't know. Okay, now you're now you're on that website. They don't know what you did there. They don't know if you clicked on five pages or whatever, but they know that you left their page, and some amount of seconds later, you were you reloaded the page. You're back on that search results yeah. page again. 
because you click the back button and you clicked the second result and you click mm-hmm. the third result. Now, maybe to, to think that Google is measuring those things and isn't somehow using them, I think is a little yeah. crazy, right? Right. So yeah, they're not measuring bounce. They don't know, but but they may be they may rework what those SERPs look like in the order of things if lots of people click the first through fifth results and then don't click after result five. I mean, what would that suggest to you? It would suggest to you that result five answered the question. Or, you know, maybe they type another search, maybe they refine because it's like, well, this isn't, you know, sometimes it's um Sometimes it's sort of on the user because it's it would be impossible yeah, without sure. reading someone's mind to give them the right result based on the query that they put in because the query was like half a thought and can barely yeah. identify what it is they're they're looking for, right? Um, but but I would think that boy, if that fifth result answers and people don't click back, that Google might at least experiment and say, let's move that fifth result up to position three, and then. They let people visit that those those search results or the family of search results or however they message you know manage all this. We know that with with Bert and Mum and all this natural language processing, that many many different searches now result in the mm-hmm. same search engine result page because they figure there's lots of ways to ask the same question. Mm-hmm. So whatever they bump position five up to position three, and now people are stopping at position three. They're not okay, clicking yeah. on page, you know, they're not clicking on result four or result five. So is it that right. none of these work or that, you know, whatever was in position five, that's now been upgraded to three really answers the question, like gets the job done. Yeah. Seems to me like they would run that experiment. Right. So they, they wouldn't go blindly yeah. off of it. They wouldn't say, oh, you know, p- people stop clicking here. Cause yeah, there, there could be lots of explanations for that. It could be that the search is just no good and they have to refine it or, you know, redo it yeah. or whatever. Um, it could be that people want to read three or four opinions about something. And so it, it doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe they move five up to three and people still read one through five because it's car shopping and they're going to read the top five Mm -hmm. reviews, whatever you could think of lots of different things. Or in, in our case, you know, people are searching for a public policy issue. They want to read multiple opinions about it. Yeah. Multiple opinions. Um, Yeah. So, but but I've got to guess that they do that experiment, and if people stop clicking at result three, now they move it up to result two. Now they move it up to result one, because as the quality raters guidelines say, the 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 measure of like the the perfect page from a search engine results perspective is the user reads that and they are completely and totally satisfied and don't need to search again. Yeah. Right. Like I searched, right. it suggested something to me and it completely satisfied yeah, yeah. my user intent. Right. So it would seem to me that they're constantly running those experiments. The data that we see when we target certain pages, Ooh, a page gets onto, gets onto a page one of results. You know, URL is, is finally featured there. We've worked on the content. We've rewritten things. We've done a lot of internal linking. We've added structured data, all the stuff that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sits at it sits at result five, and then it moves up to four, and then it moves to three, and it moves back to four, and it stays at four. You know, it's that they follow these sort of things where it seems like they're they're getting upgraded until they kind of find the level that Google feels 
mm. makes sense for it. And then it hangs out there for a while. Yeah. Um, but what, what would cause it to move from, you know, position seven, not a lot of more link, not more links aren't coming into it. You know, we, we see these things and, you know, you go to measure the page. Okay. It's getting more traffic, but not a lot of links. So that isn't changing. Mm-hmm. We haven't edited the content. You know, other things are changing on the site, whatever, but often these things seem to be moving up because Google's running some sort of testing. What if we rank this fifth? Yeah. What if we rank it third? So on. Uh, right, right. Yeah. That so, so, so I think a lot of these questions are, are answered, you know, is bounce rate a factor? They're answered in a sort of like lawyerly way where you say, well, no, it's not bounce rate. You know, but is like, is click through, is Google somehow measuring user satisfaction uh, to, to be fair to search engine journal, they do talk about, um, user interaction signals and that Google has talked about that. So, you know, they allude to Google is taking some things into consideration, but I just think often these things are answered in a, that it would be more useful to say, if by bounce rate, you mean this, then the answer is no. If by bounce rate, you mean these things then mm-hmm. yeah you know if we broadly construe that to something else then here's how it plausibly might work in a way that's probably hard for anybody to game um and that and that google is likely never going to talk about specifics of because it doesn't want people setting up bot armies and and uh you know clicking yeah. on search result pages and sending much many more clicks to result number four and trying to get themselves boosted up and so on. So I get why they're cagey about it, but I, I also just think d- data suggests and logic sort of su- suggests that Google's not going to be ignoring click through rates. All right. So, all right. I think that's, that's it. A wrap. Yeah. Yeah. We just got an update on Slack from one of our colleagues. Projects are moving along well. So I'm happy. We can end the end the podcast on a happy note. Uh I think but I think we've been happy throughout. So hopefully that gives folks a little bit more of an understanding about about links. Um if you have suggestions for future shows, topics that you'd like us to cover, questions that you have for us, feel free to uh tweet at me. I'm at Cord Bloomquist on Twitter. You can also email us at hello at tallestry.digital. Uh, and we're glad to, you know, we have to come up with something that this show is about every week. And sometimes it's daunting. You know, it's, yeah. often, just, it's often just whatever the heck we worked on this week. So uh, glad, to, glad to sort of like take requests from the listeners like we're Casey Kasem. So, um, and I'm the oldest man alive for referencing that. So uh, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um that barely even yeah, registers a childhood memory for me. It's an American DJ who's uh, uh, passed same. away and, you know, was quite popular, whatever, 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, but okay. So I am uh, Cord Blinquist. Yes. And I'm Aner Johansson. <laughs> well, we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.